this week we turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, um, all through the whole chapter, um, but also through chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The reason we do this um, is there are, there's, there's plenty from Hebrews 11 that will not get covered today. Let's just say that up front, uh, because there are entire books written about Hebrews 11. There are separate sermon series that are done just on Hebrews 11. But today, we want to get at what the big picture piece of this is. And you can't read Hebrews 11 without also including Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, because Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, which we'll get to in a minute, is the response. So, like, why does all of this matter? Pulling this all together to what's going on here. And so today, we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 1, all the way through chapter 12, verse 3. But we're only going to read up front the first three verses of each chapter. So if you'll imagine just a really big scripture sandwich today, we're going to deal with the pieces of bread first, and we'll get to all the good stuff in the middle with Hebrews 11 as we go. But this is a continuation of our sermon series on Hebrews, um, which has led us through all of the understanding of the Old Testament and those things that matter, but also how are they differently understood, better understood, more fully appreciated in light of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of it all. And so we get a huge, great piece of that in Hebrews 11 through 12, verse 3. So before we read those two chapters, their first three verses each, let's pray together for God's blessing upon the word. Lord, in our opening liturgy, we say, speak to us your truth in our children's blessing, we say, give me ears to hear. Lord, we pray that as we have both of those things before us, that we may be also inspired to not live out of debt and obligation, but to live in gratitude that we may have hands to serve and that we may have hearts that love, hearts that love you as we understand you more fully, as we encounter you in the word, and hearts that love our neighbor, as someone created in your image. So speak to us today. May we be encouraged by the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, and may we be strengthened in our faith, whether today we find ourselves struggling, wrestling, unsure, or whether we find ourselves at a high point in our faith life, wherever our faith is today. May you speak into it. Strengthen, humble, encourage, challenge whatever it is that we need most. And this we trust to the work of you, O Holy Spirit, now and always, as we read your word together. Send your spirit upon us in our ears and in our hearts, that our lives may be shaped into your image, O Christ. And in your name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verses 1 through 3. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, turning all the way to chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and after I read this portion, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and if you are grateful for it, I invite you to respond with, thanks be to God. Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 1. After all of these Old Testament figures have been discussed and celebrated, we get to this. Therefore, meaning in light of all of them and all 
of that and all that's been done. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This section of Hebrews is about faith and witness. The substance of our faith, what it means to have faith, And the witness, then, is the response. What do we do with that faith? We give witness to it. We testify to who God is and what God has done. We have faith and witness. But the substance of our faith, and we might take for granted if we grew up in the church, if we grew up around this stuff, uh, we might take for granted the familiarity of these words and miss the challenge of them in 11 verse 1, or the mystery behind them. That faith is confidence in what we hope for. Pausing there, there's lots of things that we might hope for that we're not actually hoping for. That there's no confidence involved in them. It's like being in an airport terminal and watching people run by and hearing the last call for that flight. And you're like, I hope they make it. But you don't really care because it's not you. And really, you're not confident that they're going to make it. You just kind of watch, hope they make it. But really, you doubt it. At least, personally, I do. And I'm just glad it's not me. That's another thing to confess, I guess. Confidence in what we hope for. To have faith as a confidence in what we hope for, it means that that what we hope for and the confidence of it has to be in something outside of ourselves. And that Hebrews has been building up to this understanding that the substance of our confidence is that our faith is in Jesus, that the foundation of our hope is Jesus. This is what we are hoping for. The reason that we are confident in what we hope, not just kind of a pretending nice, I hope they make it, is because our hope is in Christ. That is the substance and foundation of our confidence. Our faith could be in lots of things. There's lots of things that we trust in life that I just know that this has to work. This technology has to work. This has to work out. But our faith is confidence and hope in Jesus. And then we get to assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, at one level, it's easy to know that there's things that we don't see that we have assurance that they're working. I have never seen gravity, but I am assured that it is working very well. And Jake, I'm sure you could explain more about that and would be very happy to do so. There are things that we can't see but can be assured of. And yet, the substance of it, without Jesus, there's a lot missing. Confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. How can we have this assurance of things that we can't see, can't prove, can't know for sure, there's no proof for it? that we can point to except for to say this is a matter of faith. We weren't there when Christ was crucified. We weren't there when he rose again. And yet that is our story. And we have assurance that it is true. 
And so where is this line between faith and foolishness? I would say in some ways it's similar to an uh, analogy I've used before that um, knowing that something's going to hurt and doing it anyway is the definition of courage. It's brave. Knowing something's going to hurt and doing it anyway is also the definition of stupidity. We need wisdom to know the difference between the two. And in the same way, faith and foolishness, we need wisdom from God and from one another, this cloud of witnesses, communion of saints, to know when is this faith and when is it foolishness. And for that, to get the substance of it, to understand what kind of faith are we talking about, what were the ancients commended for, as verse 2 says, what is it that set them apart, not as foolish people, though maybe foolish to the world, but as people of faith. So, on this next slide, we're going to send a bunch of names up. So if we start with this, we've got Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Sarah, and you can't keep up. In fact, if you go through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, there is a point where the author basically says, you know what, I don't even have time to talk about all of these people. Because there are so many different examples that we could pull from. I do not have time, verse 32, to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Just all of the prophets. But here we see a list of names, part of a cloud of witnesses. And we know that we can go back in Scripture and read their stories. That these are people of faith, that we look to them and say, though some of the things that they did would look foolish to the world, like Noah building an ark, it was faithfulness to God that put him in the pages of Scripture and that puts him in Hebrews chapter 11. Some of the things that were done by these people were foolish by worldly standards, but they were a matter of faith. For these had confidence in what they were hoping for. And they also had assurance about what they did not yet see. All of the people on the screen, all of the people in Hebrews 11, they lived and died before the days of Jesus. They had hope in God's redemption, and they saw it work out in different ways, but they, didn't get, they don't get to look back the way we look back and trust in Christ's resurrection. And yet this is part of the cloud of witnesses, those who were faithful. It's a long list, and even this is not an exhaustive list, as verse 32 tells us. We don't have time to cover the, all of everybody. We'd have to go back and read the entire Old Testament with this lens of how are we pointing towards Jesus. Yeah, I wonder if this list, as we can go through Hebrews 11, we can look at those names. Some of them we know their stories really, really well. Others we might need a refresher course on. I wonder as we think about those cloud of witnesses, if there's two ways in which we might be tempted to think that they're unrelatable. One is that they all lived a really, really long time ago. And so their life is just so different than our lives. And so the way we have to live out our faith today, isn't it different than how they lived out their faith? This spans thousands and thousands of years, except faith transcends time because God is eternal. And the one way that I would say, don't worry about them being so far apart, because in Hebrews 11, we are closer to the time when Hebrews 11 was written than the author of Hebrews 11 was to living in the same time as some of these mentioned. There's 2,000 years roughly between us and when Hebrews was written. There is more than 2,000 years between the author of Hebrews and some of these names. There are millennia that pass. And think of how much happens in one century. 
And so the author of Hebrews says, these people lived a long time ago, but they are still part of the cloud of witnesses. Their stories are still some of the confidence examples, the hope examples, the assurance that people lived into, even when they could not see. This is part of the cloud of witnesses. So don't let them be unrelatable because they lived so far away. And also, don't let them be unrelatable because they seem like they're the hall of famers and we're just normal people, right? The people in Hebrews 11 kind of think like, they're the ones who are like up here and I'm kind of at maybe this level of faith. Don't let that also detract us. They'll reappear here a minute. Watch them all just blast in. Because we are just like them. We're not that different from them. Sure, we live in different times, but if we think that they're the Hall of Famers, one thing that's helpful for us to remember is if we go back and read these stories, all of these people messed up. All of these people made mistakes. None of them were without sin. We're just like them. And some of the names that get the most attention, like Abraham and Moses, also had the biggest errors. Moses, who led the people out of the promised land, and yet he messed up, and he himself did not even get to enter into the promised land. Abraham, the patriarch, who told some lies about who Sarah was to protect himself because he was afraid. David, easy example, a king, a man after God's own heart, and yet a liar, an adulterer, a murderer, all of the above. The Bible does not spare us from the faults of even these are cloud of witnesses, and yet they are still commended. So don't let them, as the hall of famers in Hebrews 11, make them seem unrelatable. Because God's faithfulness is what overcomes our sin and our errors. And so I'm not saying that you should write your own name in Hebrews 11. Because I don't think any of these people were trying to live their lives so that they could be written about in a book or so that they could make a chapter list in Hebrews 11 thousands of years later. What they are commended for was they lived a life of faith. And this is the same thing that we pursue being commended for. Not the accolades, not that we can make a list, not that we can be in the hall of fame of anything, but rather to say we lived a life of faith. We were faithful in the times that we lived with what we had and how we sought to trust God, having confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Verse 13 tells us all these people, they were all still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They lived their life of faith and they died, and yet they were still living in faith. And if we go all the way from verse 13 to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, these were all commended for faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So what is it that we share with all of them? What is it that we are all waiting for? It's on the next slide. All of them. Their faith was that what, in what God would do. So when they looked forward, we are looking backwards. And we find it in Jesus. Christ is the center of our faith and the substance of it that gives us our confidence, our assurance, and our hope. And so the long list of names and every attribute that they had in Hebrews 11 is to point us to Jesus. 
It's not a book of how to be a better person, but it is a book of how we live in faith, trusting in Christ and in Christ alone. For that, they were commended. And so I would invite you to think of these lists of names as ways in which people lived in faith as they looked forward. What does it look like for us to look backwards? Back all the way to Jesus, but also back over our own lives. Because this is to center us in Jesus. Hebrews is not interested in retelling the Old Testament. The audience that read this letter for the first time knew the Old Testament really, really well. And the whole point and purpose was to point us to Jesus. To say the faith that we have, we can be grateful for because its substance is Christ's body, Christ's blood. The assurance is his resurrection. It all points us to Jesus. And it helps us make sense of verse 39. They were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. They didn't get to live to see Jesus. And yet they did live in faith and were commended for it. What they shared and what we shared, though, is a sense of witness. Those names in Hebrews 11 are the great cloud of witnesses. Why cloud, anyway? Isn't cloud kind of a strange term for it? What we can know today is that one floating suspended water molecule by itself is invisible, cannot be seen, and will not have much effect on us. But a cloud is a huge collection of them, and clouds can make a huge difference. Clouds can give us shade from the sun when we want it and sometimes when we don't want it. Clouds are the very vessel and vehicle by which storms come, by which the ancients would have watched for them in the same exact way that we look on the horizon and say, it looks like rain today. Clouds are a great collection. And so if we are inspired to think the same way about ourselves as part of a much greater cloud, it is a cloud of witnesses. One of us by, self, by itself, not much. All of us together, quite a bit. And that is our cloud of witnesses to hold to. Now, we know some, we know some things about clouds that the ancients didn't. We know some things about clouds that they didn't know when Hebrews was written. And yet, why would the author of Hebrews choose a cloud as this example of witnesses in the first place? Once again, it's Hebrews. It's talking about the Old Testament. What was it that led the Israelites through the wilderness? Pillar of fire by day, pillar of cloud by night. Once again, Hebrews relentlessly references the Old Testament. But we have to remember that the cloud was not salvation, though it led the people to freedom and salvation. We are a cloud of witnesses, meaning we are not salvation, we are not Jesus, but we can witness to Jesus. We are not the promised land, we are not forgiveness, but we can point and witness people to it, and that has to be done as a great cloud of witnesses. This is work that we do together. So what part of the cloud not to, write yourself, not to write your name in it, but to imagine yourself being a part of the cloud. We aren't salvation. Christ alone is salvation, but we can lead people to it, witnessing as part of a greater cloud. We aren't the promised land, but we can show the way. For this reason, we are given this image of a cloud of witnesses, but it's not to shield our vision from anything, but rather to fix our eyes on Jesus, 12 verse 2, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
Jesus is where we set our hope and our faith. And sometimes it's going to be the cloud of witnesses that makes that easier to see. When maybe our hearts feel distant from God, when maybe we're not sure, we're struggling, we need the cloud of witnesses that we can see and hold on to. We can do that by reading Hebrews 11, by going back, by reading the stories, by understanding how these people live by faith and how we can. And yet, we can also do something different even today. This cloud of witnesses is not an exhaustive list. In some way, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're included in the list. You're part of this greater cloud, this entity that is meant to witness to salvation and to freedom in Christ. I wonder, rather than trying to think of how we might write ourselves onto the list, if we think about how those that we know have influenced our faith. Now, there's lots of ways that the faith that we have gets lived out. And on the next slide, we have some examples, though they don't all fit from Hebrews 11, of how did people live by faith then? Was it they brought a better offering? It was by faith. All of these are preceded by the words, by faith. By faith, they quenched the fury of the flames. By faith, they received back their dead. By faith, walls fell. By faith, they were not killed. By faith, they persevered. By faith, they built an ark. By faith, they were blessed. By faith, they offered as a sacrifice. By faith, they obeyed and went. By faith, they chose to be mistreated. By faith, their weakness turned to strength. By faith, they administered justice and routed foreign armies. By faith, they passed through the sea. By faith, they gained what was promised. There are so many different ways that faith expressions get pulled out in the book of Hebrews that there's example after example of how each one of these individuals or the group of Israelites going through, how they lived out their faith. And it, was, it is a collective, beautiful thing. It is part of the greater cloud. How can we make use of this today, keeping these up here for now so we can see them? Thinking through who are the people that influenced your faith? Not people who taught you how to be a better person or taught you some skill, but who are the people that are part of your cloud? Who are the people that helped point you to Jesus? Who are those that influenced you? And sometimes it's more convenient to stick with people who have already died because we know that in our world we kind of wait for big people to mess up. But also there's those that we live from that are still making mistakes, still sinning, and still succeeding that we can also look to as well. If you want to practice both gratitude and inspiration, write down a list, and you'll receive this on Wednesday if you're on our email list uh, for our midweek reflections. But start by writing down just three names, three names of people who have influenced your life, those of which we can read of in the scriptures, but those of which we can read of in the scriptures, but those who you have met, those who have influenced you, who was it? Come up with as many as you can. 